SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, here live from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Tonight, or last night, we had the NBA Finals Game 4, and the series is all even at two apiece. Both the home teams continued to prevail, and we're going to hear from the players in a second, but we're going to get through all those NBA series prices. We're going to be joined by FanDuel's Worldwide Wap, Rob Perez, later this hour. We'll give you our early leans for today's Major League Baseball card with a whole slate of one game. At least it's a fun one. The Red Sox on the road at Yankee Stadium taking on the Yankees. Ben Stevens joining me now. Ben, yesterday we we saw that the Milwaukee Bucks covered a four-and-a-half-point spread. They cover its home favorites. They win by five points. Yesterday after the game, Chris Paul spoke out, and he was talking about how, yeah, you can't take any of these wins for granted. You know, you can't just bank on the fact that you got home court. You got to go out there and play the game. You know what I'm saying? You got to go out there and execute. So um, we'll do that. We'll do that. We, we tend to respond well, um, but it's easy. We know what we got to do. We know what we got to do. Be, be better. Ben, he says, we know what we have to do. Be better. What is it in your mind that the Suns have to do now taking this series back home after taking a 2 nothing lead and now it's tied it to a piece? Well, Chris Paul himself has to be a lot better. I mean, a lot, lot better. He needs to stop turning the ball over, which he has done 15 times in the past three games here of this NBA final series, including five times last night, including a very costly moment down the stretch in the final minute or so of that fourth quarter in regulation, turning the ball over. The Suns were down two. The Bucks never looked back, closing out that game, not only winning and coming back, but covering a pregame four-and-a-half-point spread. So Chris Paul needs to be better. He needs to get back to what we saw in games one and two in Phoenix. I expect that to be the case. Devin Booker gave you his all last night in 42 points. DeAndre Ayton needs to be a little bit better as well. Filled it up when it came to the rebounds last night, but the pick-and-roll action we saw worked so tremendously well for Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns in the first two games of this series has been stifled a little bit. Is it that small ball lineup playing Giannis at the five for the Bucks and Mike Budenholzer? That might be what is working against DeAndre Ayton. So the big three that Phoenix now has compiled with Chris Paul leading the way at the point guard, you have Devin Booker there as your ultimate scorer, and DeAndre Ayton, the big man who can do it all. They really need to step up and step up all combined in a big way. Not one of them, not two of them, all three with good production in game number five. Speaking of good production, there's nothing like being shown the plus money. Here on the FanDuel Sportsbook, you can see him game parlay, a ton of options. And yesterday, this better ends up taking Devin Booker to score 35 or more points, and that was at plus 390. Devin Booker to score 40 or more points, plus 1280. He ends up profiting on both those. To score 35 or more points, a $500 wager made him $2,450. And a $500 wager on Booker, 40 or more points, made $6,900. Ben, there's your plus money right there. 
I wonder how people go about handicapping that, if I'm being honest, because I think it's a very interesting way of looking at things and to lay down a $500 wager on that happening twice, on not the only to score 35, but also to score 40, why not just bet the 40? I mean, I guess if you think he gets to 40, you bet the 35, and then you same game parlay it for a ton of plus money. It's just a very interesting handicap as we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the morning after Series XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 on the West Coast. This, our West Coast Wake Up Hour with Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein as we recap game number four of the NBA Finals between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks and start to look ahead to game number five. And Ariel, when you bank on Devin Booker, Maybe the handicap was what we talked about. The idea that Devin Booker in bounce-back games throughout these playoffs has been really good. When he has scored less than 20 points, which he has done five times in this postseason now, he has responded averaging 28.4 points per game in the five games following the less than 20-point performance. And last night, capping that off with 42 points. Pretty tremendous stuff. An interesting handicap for this one better, but... A huge way to make a lot of plus money. So, so kudos to Devin Booker helping out this better last night. Other betters that benefited was from this dynamic duo of Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee. Giannis and Middleton are the third pair of teammates, fourth instance over the last 50 years, to each have a 40-point game in a single NBA Finals. The other duo to do so on the same team, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Magic Johnson. Great history, great company for Middleton and Giannis in this one, Ben. Giannis also was great last night. I know it's the Chris Middleton game, and rightfully so, 40 points. But Giannis, although he didn't score 40 for the third straight game, 26 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists, still shot near 60% from the floor, so incredibly efficient. And, of course, the block heard round the world, one of the best defensive plays you will see Maybe an NBA playoff history here in recent memory. So a moment that if the Bucks come back to win this series, maybe as the Milwaukee Bucks fans were chanting Bucks in six, well, we'll dive into those series prices in just a moment. But that block by Giannis Antetokounmpo last night on the lob to DeAndre Ayton will be a moment Bucks fans remember for a very long time when it comes back to looking on this postseason. Always curious how these numbers move, how these numbers are going to be different when they're going on the road. Home road splits have been important to keep track of. Mikhail Bridges, Chris Paul, players that had those good games at home in Phoenix, not so great on the road in Milwaukee. How much are we willing to go back and back those players and their player props? We'll talk about it more as we get closer to the game. Coming up next, we're going to look more into the series prices. Stay right here on the grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens out in New York. I'm Ariel Epstein here at the Pendle Sportsbook. In the NBA Finals, it's tied two apiece 
We're going into game five Saturday. The Milwaukee Bucks are back on the road at the Phoenix Suns. Both these teams have won both of their home games. We'll see if it continues. According to the odds makers, the Phoenix Suns are the favorites. They were laying minus four and a half when it opened. It's gone down this morning to minus four Phoenix. As for the total, it also dropped from 221 back in Milwaukee for game four to now 218 and a half on FanDuel for this game five in Phoenix. Then as for the series price, Milwaukee is still the dog. They're plus 125, Phoenix minus 145. How would you approach the series market? It's a little bit of movement also from what we saw this morning when Phoenix was minus 150, the Milwaukee Bucks plus 115. Obviously substantial movement from entering game number four last night. The Phoenix Suns still somewhere around minus 270 as the heavy favorites to win this series. Listen, I still think it's going to be Phoenix. I've been a believer of Phoenix in five. I've been a believer of Suns in four before. I still think Phoenix could win this series in six games let alone seven games. And when you look at the series correct score market right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, that's the only other market you have up currently besides the series price. So you look at Phoenix winning this in six games, that's at plus 270. When you look at Phoenix winning this in seven, the shortest odds of them all at plus 150. But obviously, with the Suns being the favorite on the series price at minus 145, both of their outcomes in the series correct score are shorter odds than the two outcomes for the Milwaukee Bucks. But on the Bucks side, the shortest series correct score odds are for the Bucks to win in six, which the fans in Milwaukee were chanting last night at plus 300. So when I look at this from a series price perspective, I still think there is some value on the Suns in six. It's a, actually a decent amount of value at plus 270 or the Suns in seven at plus 150. I still think Phoenix wins this. I would not play, pay the series price as the favorite. I would look maybe in one of those two markets and maybe splitting your ticket to do so. That's how I would look at the series correct score, which has been one of my favorite markets throughout this NBA postseason. That's why I asked you. You've been taking a deep dive into these NBA series markets and looking at how many games these series are going to go. It's no longer Suns in four. It's no longer Suns in five. Yet... Maybe you get six or seven. It's going to be a fun one back in Phoenix. I'm excited to see if there's any shot that the Bucks give them to being the first team to win on the road. Otherwise, split it to a piece. We'll see what happens. Ben, uh, I also, when it comes to the NBA Finals MVP, that market has probably been the most intriguing this entire playoff. We saw the market move tremendously in favor of Chris Paul after games one and two. Chris Paul was a heavy favorite, minus 240. Now you're seeing the market flip with the series tied at two. Giannis Antetokounmpo at plus 110, Chris Paul at plus 170, Devin Booker at plus 240, Chris Middleton 20 to 1, DeAndre Ayton is at 100 to 1. For me, looking at how this flipped, what confuses me is that the Phoenix Suns are still the favorites to win the NBA Finals. However, Giannis Antetokounmpo has the best odds to win NBA Finals MVP. It just doesn't make sense, aside from the fact you have to break down the book saying, well, then if this Phoenix Suns win, if they get the next two games or whatever, if they win two more games, is it going to be because of Chris Paul or because of Devin Booker? Whereas if the Bucks win, they're just telling us, yeah, it's going to Giannis. Well, and that's where I think you can look at the series price. You asked me what I thought about the series price. I said, I don't think there's a lot of value, and there's not on the Suns at minus 145. But if you want to back the Suns and not do the guess of how long it takes them to win this series, but just say, okay, Phoenix is going to win this series in a certain amount of games, whether it's six or seven, then I would look to the NBA Finals MVP market because once again, you have plus prices on both 
Chris Paul in Devin Booker. I still think it is going to be Chris Paul. I think he will be the NBA Finals MVP if the Phoenix Suns win this series because that would make it seem like in Games 5, Game 6, Game 7, Chris Paul probably has better performances than he had, especially last night in Game Number 4, but also in Game 3 as well. If you have Chris Paul getting back to his usual 20 points, 8 or 9 assists a game, based on the narrative nature of this award, he is still going to be the Finals MVP in my mind. So when you see that plus price, back on him again flipping from where it was is a pretty heavy uh, odds on favorite in the minus money category at plus 170 that's how I would play this series overall not Phoenix minus 145 to win the series if you want to just back the Suns to get it done overall I would look at Chris Paul or maybe even Devin Booker if you feel so strongly at the plus price they present that's how I would look at a series price although the market not necessarily correlated now because you have the favorite on the team that is now the underdog in the series and the second shortest and third shortest odds on the team that is the favorite on the series price. I think you could play this along the lines of this representing the series price overall and you're getting a plus price on the Phoenix Suns now as opposed to the minus price you have to pay in the series. I like the value on Devin Booker, plus 240. He just put up a huge game. He had 40 points. He has the most points ever for somebody in their first playoff uh, with 250 or 500. Wait, I'm messing up that stat. I know he has the most of everybody, but I want to make sure that I get the number right. Uh, Devin Booker has 522 playoff points. He leads Rick Barry, who had 521, Julius Irving, who had 518 for the most playoff points in their first season in the playoffs. Devin Booker's been incredible for Phoenix this entire playoff run. Granted, not as great as Chris Paul in games one and two, I could still see Devin Booker being the difference. If Devin Booker goes off for another 35-plus points in games five and seven in Phoenix to be the deciding factor, let's just say, Devin Booker's winning it. That's why these odds are not putting either of the Suns players in front of Giannis Antetokounmpo because it's going to be split between these two. Who's going to be the X factor? Is it going to be Chris Paul? Is it going to be Devin Booker? Who's going to be more consistent these next two to three games? Devin Booker has the shot at doing it. He's been the team's leading scorer. At this point, since Chris Paul hasn't been consistent, since Chris Paul went to Milwaukee and turned the ball over a bunch, if Devin Booker continues to be the leading scorer of this team, this is his award. Plus 240 for Devin Booker is where I see the value, Ben. And because the market is not correlated between the NBA Finals Series price and the NBA Finals MVP market does not mean that the thought process you have in terms of laying down a wager should not be correlated because it's the idea that if Phoenix is going to perform well in these next couple of games to win this series, Chris Paul or Devin Booker will be the big reason for that. Possibly both of them together. Maybe one guy shines one game and the other guy the next. And again, you can find the value there on a plus price as opposed to Phoenix at minus 145 on the series price overall. I think we should also talk about Giannis being the favorite right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 110 because if Milwaukee wins this series, Giannis is going to be the MVP, without a doubt. Chris Middleton could have another 45-point game, and Giannis 
is still going to be the NBA Finals MVP. So you're getting a plus price on Giannis, but the Bucks to win this series is plus 125 at the moment. So I wouldn't really touch Giannis where it stands currently. Prior to Game 4, you were finding some really good value on Giannis to come back and to be the NBA Finals MVP. Now, if for some unforeseen reason the Milwaukee Bucks can be the first road team in this series to pick up a road victory in game number five on Saturday night, and they are a four-point underdog currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Giannis's odds to be the NBA Finals MVP are going to be staunchly in minus money categories. So you could lose the value even more, and we could see even more movement in this market. But Ariel, this is where I think we will see some of the most movement for the rest of this NBA Finals series, the NBA Finals MVP, and what that represents for who might claim the Larry O'Brien trophy by the time we get to the end of this Finals. Phoenix minus four, total 218 and a half. Game five going to take place in Phoenix as we approach it on Saturday. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball tonight. It's the first game coming off the All-Star break. Only one game. Somehow we're going to fill an entire segment talking about the Yankees and the Red Sox. It would be a lot easier to talk about this for a full segment if the Yankees would announce a starter. We still don't have one. The odds are up on FanDuel. The total is up on FanDuel. We still don't know who's playing for the Yankees today. What we know is Eduardo Rodriguez is getting the start for the Red Sox. Are we fading him? Are we telling him? Is there something consistent that's been happening in this series since they've played two series already? We'll talk about it on the other side of the break here on Sirius XM Channel 204. You're listening. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens out there in New York. I'm Ariel Epstein here at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Excited to talk about this one because it's the Yankees and the Red Sox. The Yankees are at home as home favorites. A lot of line movement, though. First, we're going to talk about the strikeout props, even though there's nothing posted yet. It's time for us to guess the line in K-Props. <laughs> The reason that strikeout props is relevant for this game is because although a lot of people may look to fade Eduardo Rodriguez, the starter for the Red Sox today, he's struck out the Yankees at least seven times in both of his starts this year against New York. If you could get a six and a half or some kind of buy-low number on Eduardo Rodriguez, it's not posted yet, but if you can get something along those lines, it's worth a look. Just keep an eye on Eduardo Rodriguez. Again, we don't know who's starting for the Yankees, but when it comes to the money line, the Yankees have had a significant movement against them. For some reason, the Yankees own bid at minus 188. Still, again, no starter announced. Minus 188 against the Red Sox. It went down to minus 130. Now it's at minus 122. That line just moved about eight cents against the Yankees in the last 10 minutes. Why do you believe there's so much line movement against New York? 
because Boston is tied for the second best record in all of the American League. Boston has a starting pitcher name for tonight's game. Boston leads the AL East right now. I know the Yankees are at home. Oh, let's also mention the Boston Red Sox are a perfect 6-0 unbeaten against the Yankees so far this year in this season series. In fact, Ariel, in these six games they have played, the Boston Red Sox are averaging six runs scored per game. And when you look at this Yankees team tonight going up against Eduardo Rodriguez, now listen, Eduardo is kind of the perfect embodiment of the Red Sox starting rotation this year. The Red Sox have been good. They have a good war, wins above replacement, but the 10th worst ERA combined as a staff at 447. Eduardo Rodriguez is above five when it comes to his ERA this year, but has faced the Yankees twice and has performed pretty well. Like you mentioned, eight strikeouts in his most recent start, seven strikeouts in the start before that. And the Yankees against left-handers. When you look at the Yankees overall, they have the 11th highest K rate in all of Major League Baseball in the first half of this season, 24.3%. In the last two weeks, heading into the All-Star break, that came down a little bit to 22.7%. Also against left-handed pitching, it's come down a little bit. It's only 23%. That's right middle of the pack, 15th in all of MLB. But at home against left-handed pitching, where this game will be played tonight at Yankee Stadium, the Yankees' strikeout rate against right-handed or left-handed pitching rather goes up to 24.8%. So overall, it's just 23%. But at home, it's 24.8%. And we mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez has been good against the Yankees this year. I think you're right. If the number is six and a half, and I know it's the first game back from the All-Star break, and what exactly are we going to see form-wise from either Rodriguez or that Yankees batting lineup that needs to be good this second half, if the number is six and a half, I might lean towards the over for Rodriguez's K-prop in this game against the Yankees, given that at home this year in Yankee Stadium, the Yankees are striking out nearly 25% of the time against left-handed pitchers. Speaking of going over, this total has been on the rise. It went from 9.5 to 10 this morning. The previous totals when they played at Yankee Stadium in the first series, it was a 7-run total, a 10-run total, and an 11-run total, yet that was in extra innings. The 11-run game, it went to 10. The Red Sox are 6-0 against the Yankees this year. The totals are split at 3-3 three and three when it comes to a total of 9.5. Over-under, it's 3-3. Three and three. I mentioned before, those games at Yankee Stadium, cutting it close to this total of 10. Ben, how would you play the total? Well, I think the total could be in play because although Eduardo Rodriguez has, strike out, he has had a lot of strikeouts against this Yankees lineup, he also is not exactly a guy that limits run production, and we're not entirely sure what we will see out of the Yankees' starting side and who their starting arm might be on the mound today for Aaron Boone and company. So you might be able to lean to the total and find some value there. The Red Sox, like I mentioned, have averaged six runs per game in their six wins against the Yankees so far this year. Their team total on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now is four and a half. So if you don't look to the game overall, maybe you look at the Red Sox team total, four and a half. The over has the juice at minus 122. The Red Sox, the eighth best offense in Major League Baseball so far this season through the first half of the year. There could be some value there when you look at a team total. Again, because Rodriguez is the only pitcher that we have so far in this matchup that has been posted, and you talk about his strikeout propensity against teams that rank in the top 10 when it comes to strikeout rate against left-handed pitching, outside of those two starts against the Yankees, he also has three more starts against teams that rank in the top 10 against strikeout rates versus left-handed pitching. That would be the Tampa Bay Rays, which he had seven strikeouts in that game, the Philadelphia Phillies, 
Six strikeouts to the Seattle Mariners early on in the year. Eight strikeouts. So if you combine the two starts against the Yankees, those three other starts against teams that rank in the top 10 in K-rate versus left-handed pitching, that's an average over five starts for 7.2 strikeouts for Eduardo Rodriguez, which, again, the number will be very dependent. If it's 7.5, don't touch it. If it's 5.5, thank you. If it's 6.5, maybe still lean toward the over for Rodriguez in his strikeout prop tonight against the Yankees. The Red Sox team run total is four and a half. The Yankees is at five. The Red Sox in their games at Yankee Stadium had over four and a half runs in all three of those games. Depending on who starts for the Yankees today, again, very tough to make any kind of assumption without a starter. I could see the Red Sox going over that total of four and a half runs, whether it's win or lose. I love team totals because you don't have to worry about the result as long as they go over their team total. Based on the metrics, the one consistent piece for the Red Sox is that they've gone over this number at Yankee Stadium in all three games. And in the series, they went over this number of four and a half total runs in five out of the six games. The Red Sox team total over four and a half may be my favorite play of the day, Ben. Is this what we're going to do for our best bets, by the way? This is really the only live sporting event we have outside of the Open Championship. Unless you want to jump in live on golf. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. You know, that's kind of the only other option, but that's still very big odds for something that might not happen in the immediate present. You might be talking about an outright winner. So this might be where we have to focus our best bets. So all that we know right, right now is Eduardo Rodriguez and what his strikeout prop might be. And that team total, the Red Sox, we might have to do a little tug of war here to figure out who gets to call what for our best bet of the day until bet to us part in a little bit. Because I like the Red Sox team total. I'm not in love with the Yankees team total, which I guess doesn't make me in love Mm -hmm. with the game total overall. Maybe the Red Sox on the money line. They're getting the plus money on the road at Yankee Stadium. 6-0 so far this season against the Yankees. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of aspects we have to dive into here for our best bets and figuring out if this is the area we even want to target for our best bets. I can't believe I'm talking so highly of Eduardo Rodriguez, who has a plus five ERA, but when he's the only pitcher named in the only baseball game that we have on the slate today, Ariel, I guess it's time to do a deep dive on Rodriguez. Might be the only time all season long in Major League Baseball. He's the only pitcher that's throwing today. The Yankees are going to have a ghost on the mound at this point. I don't know what they're doing. It's already, you've had a whole week to figure this out. Who's starting? Please, it would make my life easier. I guess I'm just going to cap it as if it's somebody who is not good. Because if the Yankees were so confident in somebody going on the mound, if it was Garrett Cole starting today, which it's not, he threw threw 1 million pitches on Saturday. If Garrett Cole was going on the mound, then you would have heard, okay, it's a Garrett Cole day. That's the problem with the Yankees. This is why I can't bet on them to make the playoffs. The Yankees don't have anyone else aside for Garrett Cole that they could rely on in that starting rotation. Who else is on this team? At least last year, they were able to rely on some more starting pitching. This year, I mean, this is a terrible. I'm, I, I don't even – and the bullpen, too. The relief pitching is just another story that no one's really talked about. The Yankees are scared to bring in their closer, Araldis Chapman. Then they bring in Chad Green on Sunday, and he gives up four runs in the bottom of the ninth, and he loses to the Houston Astros, where they could have swept them. The Astros didn't care to even play that series. The Astros had no interest. Yeah, they wanted to beat the Yankees, but you think that the Astros, who are in first place right now, that they really cared about that series against the Yankees? No, they're laughing at the Yankees right now because the Yankees are so bad. Second worst OPS in Major League Baseball this year. 
disgusting. I'm going to say that the team total for the Red Sox is probably the best play of this game. And the strikeout prop for Eduardo Rodriguez could be. It's all just a question of if you're scared because it's the third time around facing the Yankees. Yankees have been striking out a lot this year, something they didn't do a lot of last year. In addition to Rodriguez clearly having their number with seven and eight strikeouts in his two starts against the Yankees. Ben, uh, anything else in this game that catches your eye? I'll let you take, if you want, Boston's team total for your best bet of the day against your New York Yankees, if you want, for T-Beat up here in just a little bit. But not so much diving into the particular nature of this game, but also knowing as we start off the second half of this Major League Baseball season, the impact this has and the importance it really does in this season series for the Yankees. If they want to get started right away and get started on the right foot and bring that positive momentum through the second half of this campaign, it really can start in a big way against the Red Sox in this four-game set to open up the second half. Again, the Boston Red Sox, a game-and-a-half lead in the AL East over the Tampa Bay Rays, an eight-game lead over the New York Yankees. Ariel, earlier in this show, we dove through the American League American League East odds. We also dove through the Yankees odds to make the playoffs prior to the year. Minus 1,000 on the yes. Now the yes has the plus money at plus 138. Four and a half games back as it stands currently of that second and final AL wildcard spot. I know it seems silly to say in the middle of June, the first game in the second half, but this is a very important game and series for the New York Yankees in the rest of their season. Now I'm nervous. I'm checking out the last few road series that the Red Sox have played, and they didn't really score that many runs on the road. They're not bad on the road. Their OPS is ranked ninth in baseball when playing on the road this year. Yet when they're playing on the road and it comes to over-under splits, Boston 19-24-1 over-under, meaning that they're hitting about 56% of their games to the under when playing on the road. Big difference than when they're at home. Stay here on the grid. Worldwide Wild, Rob Perez coming up next. Your wife. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Time to welcome in our NBA analyst from FanDuel Worldwide, Rob, Rob Perez. Rob, after we saw the Milwaukee Bucks pick up the win last night over the Phoenix Suns to even up this series at two apiece, how much are you realizing, yeah, home court advantage is actually really important? It does matter. I think it's pretty, pretty clear and obvious now uh, how well these teams, there's a difference because when you play at home, there's there's energy, there's excitement, but some teams aren't able to wield it correctly. That sometimes results in you, the, the adrenaline pumping, you know what I mean? And then uh, there are instances in which teams can find a way to to take that crowd type of vibes and, and, and turn it into efficiency, and both teams have proved to do it thus far. There's really, I don't know really what else to say about it because these teams look like two different stories on both ends. Uh, and most importantly, the the home court is motivating the defense for sure because both teams have looked better on the defensive side 
when they are home. Maybe it gives them that little extra lift in terms of uh, fatigue for the, the end of game situations when those starters are out there 40 plus minutes, uh, needing the home crowd and that adrenaline to keep it going and not get tired and still giving an effort. We're watching Drew Holiday pick up 94 feet every single night like it's nothing, and he's playing 43 minutes. I understand he's struggling, but uh, you can give the crowd a lot of credit for that one. Rob, I think the game overall for game number four will be remembered as the Chris Middleton game, but the moment that stands out most is the block heard around the world, Giannis's block on the lob attempt to DeAndre Ayton. What have you made of Giannis in this series after the hyperextended knee to be performing at the rate he is? The old adage is the best ability is availability. And how Giannis has not only performed at this level, I think we are now talking about like some insane stats here, 500 points, 200 rebounds, 100 assists throughout this entire postseason. And obviously that includes what happened to his knee in Atlanta and missing a couple of games. Only five players in NBA history have reached that threshold. And that he's able to go out there and run 43 minutes in that game four last night how soon ago it feels like when Budenholzer when Bucks fans were pulling their hair out because Budenholzer wouldn't play a healthy Giannis more than 35 minutes in the series against the Miami Heat and then they would lose those games and now we're getting this level of play from him with not only the quality of play but the quantity of play when the offense and the entire city of Milwaukee feels like the burden is on his shoulders Granted, you did mention it was the Chris Middleton game, and Chris Middleton is good enough that you can run the offense through him, let him initiate, and uh, let him go. But let's be honest, a lot of his looks are as a result of Giannis breaking down the defense, getting them to set up that infamous wall, and him passing out of it. It's up to Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Pat Connaughton, and P.J. Tucker, and knocking down their shots when given the opportunities. So... Uh, that, that he has done this and we haven't mentioned the knee once, only he truly knows what the pain he's going through inside of there or how drastic the injury is. But the fact it's not even a conversation and how quickly he was able to turn that thing around uh, should probably stand out more than anything. I know it stood out to you because you tweeted this and FanDuel reposted it saying, quote, we aren't the same species. I love this. It's just, it, it's one of those things where after the NBA Finals, we're probably going to find out the extent of the injury. You'll never find out now, but we will later on. Giannis has the best odds currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook to be the NBA Finals MVP at plus 110. However, the Suns are still favored to win the NBA Finals. Rob, when you see the odds have a little bit of difference there, because usually you'd be the the player that wins NBA Finals MVP is the one that wins the NBA Finals. What do you make of this list of NBA Finals MVP odds? Yeah, so I think we had this conversation earlier this week about do you take Giannis or do you take the Bucks, depending on the number, because if the Bucks win the series, you have to assume that Giannis is going to win finals MVP. It's going to take multiple back-to-back-to-back 40-plus uh, point games from Chris Middleton to even be having the conversation that he deserves it over Giannis. So why not just take either the Bucks in Game 5 on the money line, take the Bucks to win the series? There are better numbers that are going to pay out than Giannis to win MVP at plus 110. It's just a math equation. It's not that it's guaranteed to win. It most likely is, but you also, the outlier is you need uh, the Bucks to win that series. Only Jerry West, uh, only player, I believe, off the top of my head and possibly in NBA history that has ever won a finals MVP where his team did not win the finals itself. So using that as precedent, there are certainly better ways to attack this number. 
The second shortest odds in that NBA Finals MVP market, Rob, is Chris Paul at plus 170. The point god himself has looked very human-like in the last couple of games in Milwaukee. What needs to change for Chris Paul heading back to Phoenix in Game 5? Yeah, that's that's my thing, and I think the problem with the way that the discourse on, on the internet is around these games a little bit is I remember the Chris Paul that put away the Los Angeles Clippers in L.A. and started off this series. Devin Booker, by the way, uh, had that game stolen from him because that was a legacy game for him. If uh, the Suns end up winning and go up 3-1, his ascension to superstardom may almost be complete with how he looked last night. But in Game 3, he was comparably terrible to what he was in Game 4. And how soon we forgot about that because he played well in Game 4. Chris Paul had a stinker. Let's be honest, there's no other way to put it. Five individual turnovers and the Phoenix Suns' win-losses this postseason have directly correlated to how many times they turn the ball over. They were brilliant at it during the regular season. They were fourth, only 14 times per game. Chris Paul himself gives you five. Back in game three, they turned the ball over 13 times through the first three quarters before that game got out of hand. So it's not just when Chris Paul shoots poorly. It's not when he um, has a bad box score statistic. It's one, when he doesn't take care of the ball, which uh, is the whole reputation that you're a point god. You don't get that from turning the ball over. It's that he's so good at being a floor general that you almost assume it's a given, right? It's it's not, especially when Drew Holiday is guarding you. Chris Paul can barely get the ball across half court sometimes which before the eight-second violation is complete because Drew is making his life a living hell. Drew is the best on-ball defending point guard in the NBA, according to analysts, experts, media, as well as his peers and colleagues, and we're seeing why. Uh, so Chris Paul has been neutralized in many different ways, and at the very least, he does take Drew Holiday out of the equation, but the Phoenix Suns need him to perform, but most importantly, manage the team like a good uh, game management quarterback, but in addition to that, he has to leave his print on it. So Chris Paul could have a bad box score statistic game, but I'm thinking of that moment when Monty Williams grabbed DeAndre Ayton in that huddle, and we got a glimpse of it, and he said, I don't care if you're not scoring, influence this game, make this game different with your force, and promise you it'll happen. I want to grab Chris Paul by the collar and say the same thing to him, that there are ways for you to leave your print on this game other than having to go 30-10. and 10. That simply just didn't happen in Milwaukee. We're here with Rob Perez, Worldwide Wob on Twitter. He's our NBA analyst from FanDuel here on the morning after. Rob, you tweeted this out yesterday during the game. I'm assuming it was probably more in the first half. Has to be one of the most frustrating championship contending teams I've ever seen. Can't imagine what y'all in Milwaukee going through. Every offensive possession in the half court feels like death by paper cuts. What led you to tweeting this out about Milwaukee? What's been frustrating you watching them? Because the Milwaukee Bucks are the better team on paper. They have three bona fide stars they have three uh guys that have been all nba defense in the past two seasons and that's not including pj tucker uh if i was a fan of this team watching the the way that they run offense in the half court it's sometimes just give the ball to Giannis and have him barrel down the mountain and try and avalanche his way into two points and they just never feel like they have any open shots every possession feels wasted uh, Chris Middleton can be great and Giannis can be great and they can make some really tough shots like they have been doing all season long. But in terms of aesthetics and uh, an offense in, that creates for others and makes team, uh, teammates feel better, this is most certainly not it. And oh, by the way, guys, they are absolutely dominating the paint area. In game two, 
They lost that game by 10 points. They went 54 to 28 in the paint. That was their scoring advantage. In game three, it was 54 to 40. That was obviously a win. And then last night in game four, 48 to 40. These are massive point differentials in the paint area where it's a lot easier to score. And the only paint points that the Phoenix Suns have been getting are mostly from DeAndre Ayton lobs. So you watch the Milwaukee Bucks play, you know how they can get to the rim, and it's a lot, once again, a lot easier sometimes to finish from two feet away as opposed to 30. And for you to get this many points and not be winning a series and not be winning the game in which the point differential is that that gap is that wide. You're like, why can't we win? Like, we're clearly uh, doing things right here statistically. And this Milwaukee Bucks team is without a doubt the best by far out in the open court. So when they're able to turn the Phoenix Suns over and get them above that 14 turnover average from the regular season, that's more than 14 opportunities for the Bucks to get out and run. When they put Giannis at the five, take Brooke Lopez off the floor at the true five position on defense, he's there to get the rebound. And one of his greatest skills is just a simple rebound can become a fast break because that man is a Greek freak of nature. And they are brilliant out there in transition. That's the way they want to operate. Pedal to the metal. We have athletes. We have better more talented basketball players than you do no matter who we're playing i'm the milwaukee bucks i want to see more of that now that hasn't happened and that's a lot of credit to the phoenix suns but the milwaukee bucks do so many things just better than everybody else and you never feel like that they are able to extract the potential of this team into reality why is it that one of Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis Antetokounmpo don't have it that night. Why can't all three just play well for once? It feels like it hasn't ha happened once this entire season. That's what's most frustrating about them, but here we are. They're still in it. So, Rob, we mentioned already the Phoenix Suns are still the favorite on the series price at minus 145. The shortest odds in the series correct score market on FanDuel is for Phoenix to win in seven games at plus 150. Do you think we get the NBA final series to seven games? I do. And game seven, of course, if every team is defending home court, the saying is the series doesn't start till the road team wins a game. And if you have game seven at home, that energy is a lot different than games one, two, and five because you feel like you're playing with house money and there's going to be a lot of anxiety in that building just knowing that it's a game seven and that can be contagious and almost a burden for the home team. You know, the away team kind of senses that. There's blood in the water here. We have a chance to win. Uh, I do think we're going to go seven. The team that wins game five is going to win this series, whether it's the Bucks or the Suns. That's just an opinion of mine. And and both teams have to be really satisfied with the way that they played game four. Uh, the Suns lost, but they looked damn good playing it. Devin Booker, they have found a way to get him open off the dribble handoffs. The adjustment they made was starting him below the rim as opposed to doing it outside the three-point line so he couldn't get hit first. On the contrary, you've got Mike Budenholzer has found that Brooke Lopez should be playing less than 20 minutes because that means you can move Giannis to the five and unleash him as a center fielder rim protector. What's the result of that? The DeAndre Ayton block. So both teams have figured each other out, and it's going to be a let the best man win uh, type of series. Uh, it's brilliant from an X's and O's standpoint, for sure. Make sure to catch Rob Perez at Worldwide Wild on Twitter and all over social media, NBA analyst from FanDuel. Rob, thanks for joining us, and have a great weekend. Thanks, guys.
Coming up next, it's our best bets of the day until bet to us part. Ben and I have Yankees Red Sox predictions, kind of. We're on the same page for what we believe is the best bet in the game. When it comes to everything else, not so sure. I hate everything. Absolutely everything. What a terrible day for betting. Stay here on the grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. segment on the morning after on sports grid thanks for tuning in on sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein it's time for our best bets of the day let's get to to bet to us part from a better's perspective the red sox already won this game because they announced the starter by the end of our show actually the starter was announced as of yesterday the New York Yankees, on the other hand, still haven't announced a starter. That said, I'm going to a strikeout prop for the only starter that's announced, and that's Eduardo Rodriguez for the Boston Red Sox. His strikeout prop's really low right now on Fandle. It just came out at 5.5. A, a little bit of juice to the over, around minus 122. Against the Yankees this year, Rodriguez had 7 and 8 strikeouts. In his last few starts, he only had 5 against the Angels. They don't strike out a lot. Yet, 6 against Oakland, 8 against the Yankees, 7 against Tampa Bay, 8 against Atlanta, and seven against the Yankees. I'm going to say over five and a half strikeouts. Wouldn't even surprise me if this number goes up to a six, six and a half come game time on Eduardo Rodriguez strikeout prop. Ben, what do you got? So we don't know the starting pitcher for the New York Yankees tonight, but what we do know is that in this season series, in the best rivalry in all of baseball, the Boston Red Sox have been dominant. They've won all six games played so far this year in 2021, averaging six runs scored in those six games. The Boston Red Sox also have the eighth best offense in all of baseball, the fifth best in the two weeks leading up to the All-Star break, and still a top 10 offense in Major League Baseball when it comes to scoring runs on the road. So I like Boston's team total tonight in Yankee Stadium to go over four and a half for the Red Sox tonight. It is a warm day in the New York City area. Maybe the ball is flying tonight at Yankee Stadium. The Boston team total of over four and a half, Ariel. I like it. It's hit in almost every game in this series. It's hit in five of the six and two out of the three, all three at Yankee Stadium. So it makes a ton of sense. Thanks for joining us here on the morning after. Ben is not going to be here tomorrow. He's got a long weekend. Enjoy your long weekend, Ben. It sounds nice. We're here on the morning. Yeah, play some golf. Hit them straight and make yeah. sure to play like Jordan Spieth did today. Ben Stevens, Ariel Epstein here on the morning after. We'll continue with the morning after tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on the grid. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your dad used to take you for a haircut when you were a kid. <laughs>